0: the crossroads to save many nations. Israel, crossroads to save many nations, including us. So if you're to go to one place at one time in history to bring the most influence to as many people as you can, when and where would you go? Well, now that you know I'm talking about Israel, Jerusalem, Israel. God chose to come into this world at this very location. Listen, a bridge between Europe to the west, Russia to the north, Saudi Arabia and Iran to the east, Africa to the south. Right smack in the middle is this important trade route that bridges the nations, Israel. God knew what he was doing, and the timing was perfect. And it goes more than that. His timing is perfect. Even though the fall of Jerusalem, if you know that date, 70 AD, it was used in God's plan to spread the good news of Jesus worldwide. I got to stand right there in Jerusalem. I got to stand at the crossroads that is still the crossroads to this very day. Because if you go to Jerusalem right now and you go to the old city, you'll you'll see people from every nation on the globe. And I was there. We were there. I touched the same area where Jesus walked and was amazed. And I am so thankful for this congregation that will this experience will go with me for many days. And it will make a difference, not only a community of faith, but it certainly has made a difference in my heart, and I want to say thank you. So think about that. God's amazing plan as he sent his son Jesus. It was no mistake that he sent him to Israel. It's no mistake that he sent him right into Jerusalem. It was a crossroads of that civilization, and it was still in that same crossroads that the good news of Jesus spread to the world and to us. Amen? It's good news. So today I'm starting a new series, and before that, man, I've been away from the pulpit for three weeks and feel a bit rusty, so I need you to pray for me. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the songs of worship that go to You. And I pray that, Lord, that You may fill me with Your Holy Spirit, not to be great or dynamic, but to be filled by Your Holy Spirit, to speak a word to this congregation that we all need. And it's always a word about Your Son. And so, Lord, take um, the frailty of who I am and bring something good out of it, that all of us would be blessed in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and we all pray together and say, Amen. So, today we're going to be talking about paradox, and I'll unpack this a little bit each and every week. And there's a list of different par- paradoxes that I want to see. And then on the slide, which I just love, uh, uh, Scott put this together. I just love it. So you can't see at the very bottom, but you see it says living through dying. This is what we're going to be talking about today as a paradox. And right below where it says fall 2019, in the uh, mirrored on the pond, you'll see a figure that I don't know if you could see it very clear. Do you know what that is? A lion, you know. It's a paradox being... The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but he's also our King of kings and Lord of lords. He's a lion, the Lion of Judah. So I love it. When you think of paradox, it doesn't always make a whole lot of sense at first, for, at first glance. <laughs> and as I put on my, gla- uh, my glasses to glance at my notes, at first glance, a lot of things don't make sense. For instance... Holly and I have been together for 27 years and having six kids, and that would not make a lot of sense to the people who knew us back in our dating years. We fought and we broke up over and over again. It makes little sense that we actually got married and are together to this day with six kids. (laughs) I guess that's kind of a paradox, but I'm so thankful either did what Holly said about four weeks ago. I'm a little embarrassed and about ready to blush just repeating what I heard Holly say about four weeks ago, and it said this. She said this out loud. I tied David to the bed. I hope the sermon recording doesn't shut off at this point. Or for you to fall asleep without any further explanation, that would not be good. I heard Holly say this to a friend on the phone, and I quickly said, Holly, listen to what you just said on the phone! Explain yourself and quick! Holly did tie me to the bed, but it wasn't for what you think. She tied a rope around my waist and anchored it to the bed as I crawled out the upstairs window onto the roof to paint the exterior of our very tall house. I don't think that was a very good idea either. The bed had wheels, and it was a very light bed. However, the insurance was pretty good. When you have a paradox and when you hear things maybe midstream, you don't always get all the information. Explanation is needed. Same as the truth with God's word and what Jesus said and what Jesus did. Explanation is needed. Same is true with many of the paradoxes found in the Christian faith. Those things that are true but seem absurd. Here are a few doozies. Christians are simultaneously saint and sinner. Hmm. Christians are simultaneously in bondage, shackled to sin, yet free in Christ, Scripture says. Christians are weak but strong. Christians lead by what? Following, but lead by serving. Christians are wise by being foolish. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says Christians are exalted when we are humble. Christians are made great by being small. Christians are poor, but rich. In today's great paradox, Christians, we must die to truly live. There's some explanation that needs to happen here. But it's the truth. And it is the bedrock of our faith. And so we gotta come to understand it. But thankfully, we have Jesus that came to unpack what this means to say that we have life through dying. And he uses stories and images that people can understand so they can get it. Because isn't it true when you have like myself coming up here to preach, sometimes you don't get it? It just kind of just like the teacher in peanuts going wah, 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 wah. And I pray that you would capture this image that Jesus so much wants us to understand. So let's uncover the first parable. We must die to truly live. We must die so all may live. He must die so that all may live. To uncover this paradoxical truth, I invite you now, if you have your Bible, to open to John 12, verse 20-26, through And as in everything, context is required. So say it with me, context. Context, context, context is so important in Scriptures. It's one of the biggest dangers in the Christian church people read their Bibles and pick things out, out of context. We need to see it for what it is in the context of how it was heard and how it was used by Jesus. Context, context, context. You ever eavesdrop on a conversation halfway through and come up with the wrong conclusion? And all of us will say, yes. This happens in marriage. It happens in politics. It happens at church. It happens at work. It happens all the time. So the first rule in explaining something that seems contrary to logic is framing what is said with context. So, What's going on before John 12.20? We're going to read 12.20, I'm going to get there, but there's something really significant that happened before that. And so if you go to the very beginning of chapter 12, verse 1, something significant's going on and it's a happy day. So as you read this at home and you get alert of what's going on, Jesus is in Bethany and he's at a friend's house and he knows three very significant friends that are there. So you had Mary and Martha and who do you else think it is? Lazarus. And they came to do a celebration meal. They were honoring Jesus for what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He raised Lazarus from the dead. It was remarkable. It was amazing. So he came, and as he's on his way to Jerusalem, his last trip to Jerusalem, he stops in, and they celebrate him, and they have this dinner, and they're eating, and then Mary does this incredible thing. What does she do? She anoints Jesus' feet with expensive perfume, nard, that was very expensive, and he wiped it his feet with her hair. And then what happened was in this story, we get this one disciple that betrayed him. His name was Judas. And Judas was so angry and perturbed by this because he's also the one that whole held on to the money. He said, what are you doing allowing her to use this very expensive ointment to do this? You could have used this to... Feed the poor. This is not a good thing to do. And then Jesus says something that's really important as we get to the context of what this paradox all means, living through dying. He said, you know what? She's using this to anoint my body before I die. And you can imagine That people were going, what on earth are you talking about, Jesus? They completely didn't understand this at all, what's going on. And then the next part of the story, don't miss this. Now he's coming into Jerusalem. It's considered his triumphal entry. And people were abuzz with Jesus. Because there are people that wanted to put a crown on his head and go destroy Rome. And here's their king, and he came in riding on a donkey, and as he's coming in, they're singing, Hosanna, 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 singing this, and as he's coming in, the Pharisees who now not only want to kill Jesus, they want to kill who? They want to kill Lazarus because they want to cover up anything that has to do with Jesus and his miracles. By the way, did you know that they're doing that in Jerusalem right now? Just as the Jews at that time, the Pharisees were trying to cover up anything that Jesus did of any significance, they're still trying to do that now in the city walls of Jerusalem. And on every significant holy site that points to Jesus, they've placed a mosque or a mosque nearby or a parking lot or a shopping mall or a shopping area to try to cover up the majesty of what our Lord and Savior does. And you just can't cover up the truth. It just keeps on coming up. Resurrection, new life. You can't bury and keep the truth in the ground. Amen? Oh. And so he's coming in, the Pharisees who wanted to bury this troop, they're, they're looking for ways to kill him. And they're saying, No, everybody can't stop talking about this Jesus. I mean, this whole news, this is what they're saying, paraphrase, my paraphrase. They're saying, this whole news about Jesus is gonna go to the nations. Oh, so rich. Scripture is so rich. Which now brings us finally to our story. You're going, whew. And so there are people from all over Converging on Jerusalem. You know why? It was celebration of the Passover. They're coming to celebrate the great feast of the Passover where the Passover feast was to take a lamb and to eat it, to sacrifice it and to eat it. And it was symbolic of what God did for the Jewish people as they go from bondage in Egypt to freedom, finally into the promised land. And as they ate this meal, they are called to put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. And it would be an ordinance for them to celebrate every year to remember the great deeds of God. Can you imagine Jesus coming in on the triumphal entry on this week of all weeks on what is called the the Passover feast? And you'd also see lambs coming in. Lambs being purchased. Perfect lambs. One year old, just as the law said, For them to be sacrificed, for their blood to be shed to forgive the sins or cover up the sins of those that came to worship their God. And during this time, the Lamb of God was coming in to Jerusalem. Crazy, crazy fulfillment of prophecy. And as he is coming, because there's people from all over the globe coming in, now we come to the part of the story that, guess what? There are people looking for Jesus. There are people that want to see Jesus. And now we hear the story of these Greeks that come a long distance to come to see Jesus. Have you come to see Jesus? Hopefully you didn't come to see me because that's a disappointment did you know there's churches all over this world that come because of the preacher that's sad that is sad indeed it might build a lot of auditoriums and lots of seats but it's not about the preacher it's about Jesus amen so long introduction I'll go quickly and then as you go I invite you you're already there and go to this passage that is John chapter 12, starting with the 20th verse, and I'll read it for you. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. I love this part. Are you so excited about Jesus that you're willing to say and go and say, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you what he's done in my life. Let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. And I get to do that right now. Did you know what I did in Israel? Do you know how I saw Jesus? I want to share this with you in whatever is going on in your life they wanted to come see jesus and now today when people come to see jesus they come to you as the church they come to about you so that they can learn about jesus that's our responsibility did you know that that's our calling of the church say amen if you agree with that amen (laughs) that's our calling and so here's these greeks coming in to see jesus and, and they're bringing them to him, and they finally get to him, and then Jesus replied, and this sounds so strange unless you have the context. He says this, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, and anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And I know this is not on the screen, so Lily, it's okay. But let me get to, the, get to this too. It says, Then a voice from heaven said, I have glorified it, and will glor- it says this, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Jesus said, Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, Jesus said, glorify your name. Then a voice from hev- came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glory- glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it was a- had thundered. Others said it was an angel that had spoken to him. And then Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for the judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. And this is the word of the Lord. In this context that the account, this account of, unfolds, in lies the paradox. And then you heard this word that Jesus says this. He says these words, Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It's a paradox. What does this mean? And I'd like to share with you three things. This is really significant. It really is, because I know you've heard this paradoxical saying many times, and I want to share with you this. It says something about God, first and foremost. So guess what? It's not about you. (laughs) It's not about me. It's about God, first and foremost, but with it comes something about you. And then finally, there's something about the church that's very significant in this paradox, so let me first start with the one, and I'll go fairly quickly since I'm talking too much. It's about God. It's about God. It's not about tragedy, it's about his triumph. You know, a lot of people will say to this day that when Jesus died on the cross, it was a tragedy, it was a mistake, it was an accident, it was because he deserved it. They'll say something. It's no accident, it's not tragic. It's a providential plan, amen? His death was a providential plan. It was done on purpose, for a purpose, for us. So when Jesus said these words about Him dying, He was speaking about His death. And that's why context is so important because when He was having dinner, He talked about His death when He came into Jerusalem, it was not about Him reigning as a king to show Himself on a crown, but His crown and His throne would be the cross. What is going on here? It's about God. And so when Jesus said these words about Him, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. He's saying He's dying this one life. He's dying His own life would give life for many. And He was that Lamb of God on the cross for you. That's what this verse is about. It's all about what Jesus' mission was. It's about God. That's a triumph, not a tragedy. And it's also about you. It goes from, this is important, it goes from salvation to sanctification. God had to die for us. But for us in our life, we have to die to self to live. Jesus is saying that true life cannot be experienced until we die to self and die to sin. So think of baptism, for instance. When people of all ages are baptized, you are baptized and you're joined with Christ in His death for our sinfulness. And Jesus took our sins upon Him upon the cross. And that same imagery is in baptism. We are joined with Jesus in His death and we are raised with Jesus in His death resurrection and so when we say this that we say this that our life is really lived through dying we all need to die to sin and what that means for us and maybe this is an introduction for you is to admit to god that you are a sinner that you are broken And it doesn't work to compare yourself with your husband or your wife or someone near you because even if you're better than them, you fall way short of the glory of God. And God calls us to see us for who we are. We're lost, we're broken, we're separated, and we need a God who comes to us to change it. And that's what Jesus did for us. He was the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world through his death on the cross. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And the third thing is it's about us, the church. Jesus is saying that that true life is found by seeing Jesus for who He is and why He came. And this is where it comes into clarity. The Greeks came to what? They came to see Jesus but they were probably coming to see Jesus for the very same reason a lot of other people came to see Jesus. But what did Jesus want them to see? That Jesus, who he is, he's God, but who he is and what he's done is it's all about his mission on the cross. And so he gives this image about the wheat and the seed of the wheat that goes into the ground and buried and brings new life in the same way, who is Jesus? The Savior. Who's Jesus, the one who dies for us? Who's Jesus, the one that wants to live in our life now and forever? And the Greeks, on that day, they probably didn't understand at that time, was pointing to the significance of the cross and how we need to all come to the cross and confess our sins and believe in who he is, which is then also for the church because that's our mission. Just as the Greeks came in, our mission of the church is to get this news out about who Jesus is, that he died and rose again to all people, starting with us, from Westland to Lake Oswego to Wilsonville and throughout, and to teach our kids this incredible truth. We need to die to self. It means it's not the job that's most important, It's not the things that are most important. Jesus says it in different ways. He said, seek not the treasures of this earth that wear out, but seek treasures in heaven that has to do with relationship with him. And then Paul, as Roger read it as we close, said this, I have been crucified with Christ, which means what? Die to sin. Die to sin. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who, what? Lives in me. In the life I live now live in the faith, I live in the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. Our whole life is about dying to sin and living for Christ. Last verse, didn't this? And this brings home this whole truth of a paradox. Dying, living starts with dying. What did Jesus said? I am the resurrection of life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, will live eternally. Do you believe this? He then said. Let's start dying. Every day, that's sanctification. Every day we die to sin. We give up more for the sake of Jesus to live for Him. Sanctification. Sanctification. All for him. All for him. And all God's people said, Amen.